Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam Panic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong. Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. Awkward to even talk about. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to put in Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. Is that rocket science? I have tampered with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Writer at The Athletic. The NBA Finals continue. We got ourselves a series. We head into Game 6 on Tuesday. Uh, the Bucks take control of this thing up 3-2. We've had the block. We've had the pass. We've had the oop. The uh, Milwaukee folks are very excited about the prospect of a first championship since 1971. Here today to break it all down. We got Anthony Slater, who is platooning as Suns beat writer, but also a Warriors guy and, and Team USA extraordinaire out west. Slater, what's up, brother? I, I don't do road games. I'm, <laughs> I'm a DH. I don't, I don't do road games. Phoenix only. Phoenix only. So we got Jovan Buha covering on the Milwaukee side. But on the pod with us today, Eric Name. Uh, listen, man, Eric, you know, Giannis was a, a, a household name, but the casuals now are enjoying – who he is, his personality, his game. And, and this is what the NBA final stage can do for a young, incredible talent. I think you can relate to that. The Eric name work is, is now on display. People get to read you every day. How do you feel about how present you have been staying? Are you locked into the moment? How is your ego? How is your pride, Eric? How are we doing? You know, when you think about people reading you every day, that's your ego. And, and you don't want to be thinking about your ego. You want to be staying in the moment. You want to think about your, your humility. So right now, the only thing I'm focused on is this podcast and making sure it's the best podcast that it can be. In the moment. Pride is, we, pride is when you look at your metrics page. You know, <laughs> on, on the, yeah, Wait a minute. I feel like that's a shot at, at Amic here because Slater's been on the road with me and, and I'm a little guilty of looking at our metrics every so often. <laughs> So all right, I, I got pride to work on, but but obviously, if you somehow been living in a in a cave and not watching the media stuff with these finals, uh, you know we we got the basketball stuff, guys. But then we have what for me has honestly been the highlight of covering these finals is some of the media stuff, and specifically Giannis and the the interview sessions that he has had with us. And if people don't know, just to paint the picture real quick, because of COVID, things are very different in terms of press conferences. You got. Uh, approximately 15 reporters getting tested every day um, and a limit on the numbers of people who are allowed to talk to the players in person. 
And so I actually believe that whether it's Giannis or Chris Paul, Devin Booker, all these guys that that we've had some really good conversations. And and you know, it's a, it's weird to say that in a big group like that, but it's different than a normal press conference where there might be, you know, 60, 70 people in a room and, and a different crowd. And Giannis uh got a lot of attention a few days ago when I had asked him about his perspective on ego and and his answer, which certainly went viral, you know, it just speaks volumes about where he's at right now. And you're seeing that, you know, bear out in the basketball that he's playing. And Eric, let me throw it to you because, you know, you know, you're from the area. This is your neck of the woods. You know, the fan base, you know, the history. And it is you can really feel it a day ahead of game six when we're recording that this city is is just ready to absolutely go bonkers if, if they get this job done. I mean, we just had lunch over on Old World 3rd Street, and I mean, there's a vehicle that has Bucks flags on it, and it's it's honking, but it's not honking just like, er, 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 er. it's honking in the tones of Bucks in six, <laughs> like Bucks yes. in six. So the honking is meant How for How do people- you know it wasn't Sons in four? Are we still <laughs> doing Sons in four? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, maybe the people behind me uh, in Phoenix thought it was still something for. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, like the whole city is just ready for it. And obviously, we just got uh, like a news, uh, a press release from the Bucks that they're increasing the space around Pfizer Forum, which is known as the Deer District. So that in total, there could be 65,000 people in that block oh. of people uh, with the people inside, the people outside, and now the added space that they've had. So uh, uh, if, I mean, it's going to be- Was that apt- audible? Did I groan out loud? Yeah. I'm not sure if that was just yeah. in my head. You sure did. So, uh, so, but well, it's- as you know, I'm looking out, sorry, Eric, I'm, I'm looking out this window and, and you know, if folks were with us on Zoom, I could share it. It's like, I'm staring at the area that you're talking about. And I'm envisioning, you know, how the hell I'm going to get back to my hotel room uh, <laughs> tomorrow night after the game and, and do what we do. It's going to be absolute pandemonium again, if they win. And that's the yeah, thing. I was going to say, Sam, yeah, getting ahead of yourself yeah. there. Um, it'll be, it'll be cool to see uh, if they win a, a home city celebrate with the team doing it there. Um, obviously last season we got, you know, 15 media members in the bubble was about the only people around when the Lakers were celebrating. Um, so that, that entire Staples center run was stripped away. And then, you know, you go back two titles ago, pre pandemic me, Sam, I think me and you were both in Toronto game five, it felt like the closeout. They're up like six in the final minute. Remember Drake's like hyping up the crowd and you felt like Toronto was about to burst. Yeah. I mean, and Slater, as you remember too, in that game six, you know, the Raptors fans damn near took over um, Oracle Arena. So yeah, I couldn't have imagined what it would have been like if it was actually in Toronto. And I also think though, and Slater, you kind of alluded to this, is that, you know, the the psychology of these playoff series and more so the finals than any other is we just cannot forget how quickly things can flip. So the Suns come in today, we do media and again, to help people understand the way it works. We sit down and and we're in that small room with about 15 people and, and, you know, the buck side comes through and it's Mike Budenholzer, Giannis, Chris Middleton. Then we go to the Suns and it's Monty Williams. And I think it was Chris Paul second, the Devin Booker in, in the one room. And Monty, I asked him about the fact that going into game five, he had given his team a speech that was captured for the TV cameras and shared with the the viewing public about how he says to his players, he says, guys, you know, 
we put ourselves in this position. And then he clarified, he said, and I mean that in a good way, you put yourselves in a position to be tied 2-2 going into a game five. And so they dropped that game. And I asked him today, like, you already kind of gave that speech, you know, psychologically, how do you keep them going down that track where they don't, you know, call it like go of the rope or just let their spirits go down in the kind of way that would impact the way they compete. And he had nothing but incredibly positive things to say about what he has seen from his group in the, the couple of days after game five. And I do truly believe that they're fully capable of, of taking game six. And if they do, then we, we get reminded very quickly about the momentum factor, because then if you're the Bucks, of course, you still got to crack at it in game seven. But the idea of going back into that Suns arena and getting that job done is incredibly daunting. And this series is, I think, I guess maybe this Bucks team, at least from my perspective, is really interesting in this regard because so often in this postseason, and we were talking about this while we were out in Phoenix, like their backs have been against the wall. And that is the moment that they've responded, that it feels like things cannot get worse. And it feels like they just are have no chance anymore. And then they respond. This is a different spot. Being up in this spot, being up 3-2, chance to close it out at home. You, as Sam said, have the momentum if momentum is real. Like you have everything going your way. And all of a sudden you're thinking about like, hey, we can do this at home. And like to the Bucks' credit, their answers have always been the same throughout the year. It's one game at a time. It's very boring. We're just trying to get better every day. Like that's how they approach things. But the results show that they've shown up more often than not when their backs are against the wall as opposed to being the team out on the lead foot. So I, I think that's where this gets really interesting because, you know, I honestly might feel more comfortable in their ability to go out and win a game seven on the road than I do in, oh yeah, this team front foot, they're going to close it out at home. Like I, it's just an interesting spot from, from both these teams perspective. So they haven't lost four games in a row all year. They haven't lost three games in a row in about six months. And I just generally would say not exactly a hot take here that any team winning four games in a row in the finals, whenever they come is incredibly hard. And, and then to hear Devin Booker and Chris talk about, the basketball specifics of what they know they need to navigate. And, and Eric, you did a nice job today asking Monty Williams about this. You know, they've, if, if we can, Slater, you're the, the Suns expert here, so you can dive in. Like, they know that as, as much fun as it has been seeing Devin Booker just, you know, be so transcendent on this stage and be a guy who has a first-time finals participant is blowing away all the historical records about scoring – that you're not walking away with the W and the ball movement that has been a major part of this team's identity and that really was there early on has disappeared. Chris Paul has struggled, obviously, with Drew Holiday's pressure. Uh, you got three games of data uh, of trying to tweak and figure out how to get over on the Bucs. Uh, it's going to be tough for, for the Bucs to do it a fourth time. But Slater, give me your breakdown on the Suns' side and, and what they need to fix here. I'm looking at Chris Paul, um, and there was like a video floating out on social media the last few days. It was actually Isaiah Thomas on NBA TV back in uh, when Chris Paul was a Clipper, and it you know it was, pre it was pretty critical. I mean, it was during one of those playoff runs. I don't think it's something Isaiah Thomas might, might say today, but he was talking about how all the great point guards in history, he was including himself, he named Stockton Magic, they played dangerous games sometimes and like pushed uh you know pushed the limit and he felt like Chris Paul whenever he was talking at some point in a Clippers series was playing too safe 
Um, and I, I think there have been moments in this series where Chris Paul looks like he's out there like, oh, man, you know, Drew Holiday's hounding me. The Bucks' length's getting to me. My shot's not there. I'm kind of just trying to get off the ball a little bit. And sometimes that even does lead to turnovers. But I thought, you know, you mentioned the desperation angle from a Phoenix side. I thought Chris Paul, we finally saw him really feel that urgency in like late third quarter, fourth quarter of game five. He went four or four and scored 10 points in the fourth quarter. The, the reason they had the ball with 30 seconds left down one and Devin Booker gets his soul. But the reason they're in that game is Paul kind of got going. I mean, he hit some big shots that, that, that kind of gave them life. And I think for them to stun Milwaukee in game six, I think they need an aggressive Chris Paul. I think they need a confident Chris Paul. That's just like, yeah, I know I'm facing a length. Yeah. I know Drew Holiday's hounding me, but he's, he's trying to get to his spots. He's taking his jumpers because that's when they've been at the best in this postseason. I mean, that's when they've been at the best in this series, right? Remember game one, uh, Milwaukee has altered their defense, but I think that takes some of the load off Devin Booker too. I think Devin Booker's feeling the pressure of like, Paul doesn't have it. I need to do it. Uh, and that's what you're seeing. Not to mention, I mean, some of these guys who were coming to the forefront on the Sun side earlier on and even in the conference finals, like, can we get a Mikael Bridges, you know, appearance offensively? Can we have DeAndre Ayton with another one of those games? You know, I think it was a game one where he, you know, was seven of eight early on, had a, a great first quarter. Um, you know, some of the others, as we always call them, and Shaq's favorite phrase, have have been, you know, faded to the background. Um, but we can't lose sight of the fact, Eric, that these games – have turned on a hairpin. You know what I mean? Like the, the Drew Holiday steal, you know, Suns are down one with a chance to win that thing. Going back to the the block that we talked and wrote, you know, so much about, you know, that was a key moment late where this thing easily could have gone the other way and 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 the Suns, you know, could be out front. This thing is close. This is this is right. a tightly contested series. And and that's the thing I've struggled with with game six is obviously, like you said, momentum. Like, oh, this is the narrative. They can close it at home. Yeah, all these games have been really close. Like, these that's two just teams. We're ready to get off the road. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these two teams are are very similar, right? Like that there isn't the this idea of, oh, you know, they have two superstars and they're just so much better than everybody else. Like it's, you know, the Bucks have a superstar in Giannis who's obviously just destroying this finals. Uh, and then the Suns have two guys in, in Paul and Booker that are really special. And then Chris Middleton's kind of throwing some stuff in and Drew Holly's kind of throwing some stuff in. Like there's no overwhelming favorite in this series. Like everybody's getting something from pretty much everyone on the floor. And like the Suns shot 60% from the field, 50% from three in the last game and still lost. Like this isn't the moment becoming too big for someone or some team being overmatched. Like these two teams are really close together and all these games have been, I mean, outside of the first two have been really tight and really close. And I mean, I think you, you got to start thinking about like, okay, can the Bucks actually close this one out? Because the Suns are right there on, on these last two games. Eric, to to steal your phrasing from today's press conference, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know flip the script on you here. Uh, since you said to Giannis as you went to ask him a basketball question, you said, "I know how much you love talking about your feelings." So, Eric, you and Giannis are wired similarly, but I know Eric how much you love talking about your feelings. But as the local. Milwaukee area native and somebody who, again, be just we're going to lean into the idea that the Bucks could finish the job. And we're going to talk about some of the history here. Obviously, you go back to 74. We talked about it probably last week on the pod. Uh, you know, Oscar, Kareem, you know, those teams fall short in seven games against Boston. So the last time, 
you know, that uh, there was a, a finals game like that at the end of a series. It was not a happy night in Milwaukee and it was at the old arena and not this one. But just give us some of the color from around here about how the joy that would be felt. I mean, even our editor, one of our NBA editors, Rob Peterson, is, is from Milwaukee and was here today. And to hear Rob tell some old stories about just what it would mean. I know every fan base has their version of this, but, you know, what is the Milwaukee story in that regard? Yeah, I mean, this this city has obviously not had a champion in a really long time. And there are going to be people here that would say, oh, well, the Packers won all this time ago. And I know I'm crossing sports here, but whatever, you're gonna have to go with me. So in, in the city of Milwaukee, though, like Green Bay is in Wisconsin. People that live in Milwaukee are Packers fans, but like that wasn't their championship. Their parade did not come down Wisconsin Avenue. Like that did not happen. So Milwaukee hasn't had one since 71. And like you have to just kind of go through everything where all these teams have gotten close. You know, you go back to 01 and the Bucks are in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're feeling good about themselves. Then Scotty Williams throws an elbow at Allen Iverson. He gets suspended for Game 7. George Carl's talking about a conspiracy. They don't have enough in Game 7. They lose. And then, obviously, they would have seen the Lakers in that next round. But every Bucks fan worth their salt will remind you that Oh, by the way, the Bucks were two and zero against the Lakers that year. Uh, they they would have swept them. They would have swept. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but Who's like Garden that, Shack? Who was Garden Shack though? I got a uh, dad's a reach or something. Uh, Joel Presbilla. <laughs> uh, Joel Presbilla. Yeah. Joel Presbilla. Joel Presbilla. Shaq would have gone for about forty and twenty. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey I, you don't have to tell me. I'm just telling you what a Wisconsin sportsman might say to you about what Wisconsin that sports radio is saying today, right now. <laughs> right. So, like, uh, you you go. And you go through that. And then, I mean, even if you just take this Bucks team and kind of go through all the things that that you've seen, like last year was insanely disappointing that you go up against a Heat team and just don't have enough. Giannis gets hurt. But even before Giannis gets hurt, you didn't really have the answers to beat them. And then you go back to the Eastern Conference Finals. That first year, it felt like, uh, you know, you're catching lightning in a bottle. You got everything going. You go up 2-0. You go to Toronto. And then you lose four straight. Like what we're seeing the Suns possibly go through is what the Bucks went through in the Eastern Conference Finals. Kawhi Leonard takes over. Giannis doesn't have an answer. He doesn't have the guys that he needs to lean on. They weren't ready for it. And they just get jumped in four straight games and, and they end up losing. And, you know, if if you continue looking through Wisconsin sports, I know Rob always likes to quote how many MVPs the Bucks have had in the last 15 years and not even been in a World Series, a Super Bowl, or an NBA Finals. This Bucks team is in that NBA Finals, but obviously they still have to win it. So this is a tortured fan base. I know one of the old podcasts that I used to be on, uh, the the motto was never trust the Bucks because they will always disappoint you. And that always resonated with Bucks fans. They're like, yeah, I will never trust this team to be good because they're just going to break my heart in the end. So there is like this entire bit of somehow, some way the Bucks will screw it up. Like that is what Bucks fans will feel. So they will not believe that they have won a championship until zeros are up on the board. And honestly, it might take another 10 minutes for them to be like, okay, is the league going to like disqualify this game or something? Like <laughs> did, did Giannis actually fail like a COVID test? Like, is there something here? Like they will not believe it until they, they can see it with their own eyes. And that's just kind of what Wisconsin sports fans feel. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. So I had a cool moment that I think it'd be a little fun to share on here. And and Eric already knows about this, but uh, ran into an old friend from from the business uh, the other day. Uh, Charles Gardner wrote for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel for a very long time and was somebody who covered, I mean, was covering Milwaukee sports long before Giannis came around and Chris Middleton, you know, in the old Bradley Center days. But he was in town and stand at the same hotel lobby that I was in. And, and I, I've said before, like, you know, Eric, I'm, I'm a West coaster. I'm, I'm not here that often. So I have really enjoyed continuing to learn about the local landscape more so than I had before. So Charles um, was in town and he's going to be going to game six and he's now a retired sports writer. Who's a season ticket holder. And, and to ha- you know, without going too deep in it, to have a conversation with him about what it would mean for the area. And even him, he, he's, he listened Giannis was kind to him. Middleton was kind to him. He wants the best for those guys. And man, like as we talked, and I'm not exaggerating, I actually got the chills, uh, you know, in the lobby of this hotel and not because the AC was blasting too much. Like I kind of got wrapped up in his discussion about what it would mean. And, and that struck me a little bit. You've got a guy who's been out of the media game for a minute and who just can't wait to see if the Bucks can finish his job. And you mentioned Rob, you know, our editor from Milwaukee, even at lunch today, you could, you could almost still sense that vibe of like, uh, how are they going to mess this up? You know what I mean? (laughs) Just nervous. So, you know, and and with good reason, the history has been tough. That that's like a great look at the past and, and, and the ghosts and everything leading up to the moment. I think this is important for, for the next decade of, for the Bucks too. to me, this like, uh, if they win with like stamp, Giannis, or it would just basically put to the grave any like Giannis on the move talk. Because even when he signed the extension, remember at the time it was like, well, you could sign it and then do the Paul George with Oklahoma City with this like thought of, hey, I'll sign it. But if I tell you I want to leave, you have to let me leave. If they win this thing, um, you know, even if they have disappointments over the next few years, you, you have one in the bag. To me, this puts him online to potentially be in the, the Dirk the Duncan, the Steph Curry realm of when you get a title, when you achieve it early, you can kind of just, uh, you know, keep on that path, uh, in whatever market you're in. So I think this is just, this would be just so important for the next decade. Man, Eric, you believe this, this coastal elite here trying to act like Giannis is going to leave. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Actually. I, I do. I do yeah, believe me too, that. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, cause I'm I, one of them. And, <laughs> um, on top of it, I, you know, I think it's really fascinating at 26 years old, again, if the Bucks win, Giannis would have two MVPs and a ring. As far as pacing goes, I mean, that's top 10 NBA player of all time. If his career continues and he continues to put up numbers, like 
that's that's what we're talking about with him and like i just don't i don't again maybe people don't comprehend it or think about it but like no i get you from an accomplishment standpoint i mean you know that's you know you got me a little oh a little nervous when you say top 10 we're we're not there but but yes i get your point for sure and especially when the conversation is, oh, I don't know if he's good enough to lead this team, or I don't know if he's Robin or whatever. Like, there, you're doing all a that... terrible perk. That was a terrible perk impersonation. <laughs> I, I, I cannot get his accent. I won't even try to do so. Um, my voice does not get that deep either. Um, and like, it, it, to me, it's just going to be kind of crazy to see one, like, like Anthony said, like it's gonna, it's gonna flip, right? Like, okay, Giannis is going to be there for life. But then also on top of it, it's like, okay, how do we discuss this dude going forward? Because that is a short list of players that have done those things that he's done and you throw a ring on top of it. Well, remember this season, he was basically disqualified from the MVP because yeah, it was like, dude, absolutely. we can't give you a third MVP without a title. I mean, now next season, he probably enters as the MVP favorite and people will be looking to to basically give him the word again as we talk about, you know, piling in accomplishments. Yes, where Sam is correct is when we talk top 10, like multiple titles, multiple, you know, for sure. All-star game after all-star game. And, you know, I, again, like I covered a guy like Kevin Durant. I know he didn't win a title early, although he got to one and nearly did. Um, it was like stuff along the way happens. He has the three foot injuries, the warrior stuff, the Achilles. Like, you know, it's, it's tough to talk. We're now only discussing Kevin Durant in that realm. And he's basically, you know, eight years ahead of Giannis. But at the same time, he is building quite an early to mid twenties resume. So not only that, but in the moment, to you know, stay with the Giannis theme here. In the moment, we don't have to do that, Sam. By the way, we like we're not trying to win Game Six tomorrow. We can, <laughs> we can talk all we want about it. Slater, like Eric knows this, and anybody on social media who who can notice that I've gotten very Giannis heavy with my content, it's not a real secret that I've been enjoying Giannis's perspective, and I'm I'm now just a student of his psychological school of thought. You know, trying to to, to try Sam, to learn from Sam's a softy. If I was an NBA superstar, I would be on the press conference and he would ask, I would go, Sam, that was a terrific question. Thank you for asking that. I mean, your journalism is awesome. Uh, So anyway. He is cracking me up. We Today we had another funny one. He walks in, Slater, I don't know if you were watching, uh, and and I, he walks in with a big smile on his face and he looks at everybody and and he says, "Every I'm going to do a terrible Giannis impersonation, but everybody, we good, we good. We we all get tested and we laugh, say, yeah, we're, we're good, Giannis, we got tested. So I, I told him as I started the first question, said, you know, I tested negative, no worries. And he said, you, you have proof? You have proof? <laughs> Want me to email you? I don't know what to do here. But like he's, he's in a good place. He's in the moment. He keeps talking about it. And to take it back to my other point, this finals performance and the way that he, it's not just a matter of, oh, this two-time MVP, you know, played moderately well in the finals and they won a championship. This dude has obviously had those two 40 and 10 games. And then has had two iconic finals plays, two consecutive games in a row. The type of stuff that, you know, uh, that you'll be watching. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on ESPN's history channel, uh, but classics. whatever the hell channel classics. Thank you. Which does uh, that even exist anymore? There's like nine channels. That's what I was, th- I don't know, whatever. YouTube NBA classics. TV shows a bunch of archived games. Yeah. Whatever, wherever you look at the old fart stuff, like back in the day, like, you know, and, and when the, the kids who haven't even been born yet are, watching stuff about Giannis in these finals, they're going to do 15 minutes on each of those plays, the block and, and the oop. So he has been tremendous. And, and the kind of way that I do think it's absurd 
I, I get it. Middleton's played really well. But can we stop with the idea that Giannis is not the finals MVP right now if they win it? So I don't even think that's a debate. And and he has just put his stamp on this thing in the kind of way that an all-time great does. Yeah, I mean, it, I saw people talking about, oh, like, you know, who wins finals MVP? And it's like, okay, so one guy is averaging 32.2 points per game. The other guy is averaging 25.4 points per game. Okay, he's got the advantage there. Oh, Chris Middleton, 6.6 rebounds. Pretty nice. Oh, 13 for Giannis. Just doubling him up real quick. Oh, maybe assists are close. Okay, yeah, Giannis has more assists than Middleton as well. Like, every category is his. Steals, blocks, all Even of it. Even like, CJ, I mean, is it just guys? I mean, I'm talking former players. Like, is it just former players love the wings? Is it just I think former- the internet just loves to just rent debate stuff and players no, are included in that. McCollum. CJ McCollum. He's an internet Twitter. user. He's a, you know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's social media. I mean, he's just, he's, he says odd stuff sometimes. I mean, I, the, to me, I would just ask the Suns. you're going over your scouting report. Who are you talking about first? Who, who are you <laughs> discussing like containing? Right. Okay. Yeah. Good. Hey, Mikel Bridges, you, you need to do a good job on, on Chris Middleton. Hey, everybody else. There's this monster we're trying to contain. Yeah, Chris Middleton is not Finals MVP. By the way, Slater, this is completely out of pocket. I'm going to do it anyway. You know, Fred Ka- Fred Katz slander when he's not even here to defend himself. Lopez, how you feeling MVP, about? Is that what saying? No, no. How are you feeling about your perspective of Devin Booker being the the, the best player on the Suns these days? Terrific. Certainly, he hasn't. <laughs> Chris Paul certainly hasn't overtaken the mantle. Now, what That's we point, may yeah. be learning in these finals is Devin Booker's not ready to be one A on a title team. I don't know. We'll see. Um, one interesting thing I would say about Game Five is wait, hold did, on. I got to hit the brakes. I mean, let, let's talk about that. From I mean, these games came down to a play. You know what I mean? Like, well, Sam, if a play. They yeah. they lost Game Five in the six minutes that Devin Booker sat in second quarter. He left right. the game. Up 16, he came back up two. In a, in a game where we're talking about slim margins, they went minus 14. And, and to me, when we're talking game six adjustments, one of, I think, Monty Williams' adjustments is, I think Devin Booker's going to play 46 minutes. I think yeah. you, what you saw in the second half where he sat 42 seconds in the fourth quarter and they're like, get back in there. I think you're going to see that. And I don't know, I mean, are you are you about to argue that Devin Booker's not their best player? No, no, you're you're hearing me completely wrong. I'm oh, okay. I'm I'm ganging up on Fred. When he's oh not yes, here. let's go then. Yeah. My bad, my bad. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm saying that I think Devin does look to be worthy of being one A on a title team, and and it's just a game that has come down to inches. And and you know if, if I mean listen, the Drew Holiday steal was incredible. So yeah, if Devin finds a way to rise up and hit that shot before Drew gets to him, then it's you know Devin's the front runner for Finals MVP and. And this thing is, is very, very different. Yeah, he's winning finals MVP if the Suns come back. I mean, I, I, I shouldn't say that for sure because if Paul goes like 41-41 and like two straight wins to, to pull him out, I think the narrative might shift in his direction. But, yeah, I mean, to this point, I mean, Booker's, what, 82 points the last two games? And, and I mean, I, dev- I definitely agree with some of the commentary that uh, it's kind of what Milwaukee wants Phoenix to do. But he's off, man. He is impressive. Some of his shot making, even if it's Kobe like with the, the, the ball dominance, it's also Kobe like in the shot making. Yeah. Right. I I, I mean, today I, I asked Monty Williams essentially that exact question because earlier this postseason, Bucks, Nets, second round, PJ Tucker, like, I'm not going to say yelled at me because that would be like a little bit strong, but he like reminded me, he was like, Hey, man, Katie's going to score. 
You know KD's going to score. But when I get mad is if someone comes to help me when he's trying to score. Like, if we let everyone else get stuff, then we're losing multiple ways. Like, we're losing because KD's scoring, and we're losing because those guys are getting something. And, like, he was super impassioned about it. And, I mean, like, I essentially told Monty Williams the same thing today. And he was like... And I was like, okay, so now how do you have, like, Devin who's going off. He's incredible. He's getting buckets. How do you try to find, like, the balance? Because you're not going to complain about it, right? Like, Devin Booker shooting 60% or whatever it was in game in game five. That ain't a bad thing. Like, that's not bad. That's good. But there is something to be said about getting everyone else involved. And Monty was like, all right, well, I'm not going to tell you what my game plan is. Uh, and I was just like, okay, I get it. But, like, also, how do you, like, try to find the balance? And he said, yeah, that's a point that's well taken because you do kind of fall out of balance when everyone is just watching Devin cook. And he's cooking well. He's a master chef. But... <laughs> you got to find other ways to get those other guys involved. And really you saw in games one and games two, Bridges was huge. Aiden was huge. And those Aiden's guys been quiet lately, right? That's kind of like one of the forgotten names of the last few games is like Deandre Aiden. Um, and then the other number I would point to in game five, the, the, the Suns went 13 and 19 from three, which is like, what a percentage, but 19 three point attempts in the year 2021. <laughs> that's a problem. I think secretly, not to out you guys like this, I think secretly both of you want this thing to go to a game seven because, you know, Eric, you mentioned Middleton, you know, cooking like a chef. That makes me think of Slater's favorite dude, Guy Fieri. I mean, Slater, if there's a game seven, you might finally get, you know, the, the, the who spotted to go say hello and, and, and be a man about it and go meet your guy. Maybe, right? he, maybe he'll meet me at Hanny's. We can go to the back, diners, <laughs> drivers and dives, cook up some pizza. And then, and then name, and you're gonna you're gonna sit here and, and and stare, you know, darts through me as I as I out you like this. I think Eric wants to go back to Phoenix just because of your favorite fan that was behind you <laughs> at the game, uh, Suns fan who I keep describing as like a Johnny Lawrence lookalike, uh, very loud, tough guy type personality, and he was and Slater. We have experience with this from our Oklahoma City Western Conference Finals days. He was reading Eric's tweets. Uh, loudly screaming them as he looked over his shoulder, you know, Bucks go on a 9-2 run. Bucks go on a 9-2 run. <laughs> this sounds fantastic. Like a, not the best working conditions. And I'm talking like I look up and I'm a row ahead of Eric and he, grabbing the railing, leaning over. I mean, I, I laugh about it. It was to the point of like, okay, we're probably going to have to ping security and see if you know, they can maybe do something here. And it got better in the second half. And good Lord, I hope he's not a tampering listener because then I just made Eric's life miserable. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you, you, you know, like the brightness on your screen scroll, that's when you go very low on that one. Try to make well, this drunk and, dude read. Yes, but for entertainment purposes, yeah, we joked after the fact that and to Eric's credit, he didn't engage. He didn't react, which later, as you know, I did not have that level of restraint years ago when a Thunder fan was in my business, but he was going to tweet stuff that, you know, it, it's like the old uh, Anchorman bit where, you know, you just read the teleprompter no matter what's on it. And he was going to tweet, you know, like, <laughs> I am a jackass or something like that and just see if the guy would scream it. I so think he would have. I think yeah, he would have. Yeah. Like, he would have been too caught in the moment. <laughs> so that could be the game seven fun. Um, so, guys, we'll see what happens in game six. Uh, let's pivot here for a minute before we bounce and get back to our other parts of our work life. Slater, put on your your. Uh, I know you're on the Warriors focus side, but the the Team USA landscape is interesting, and it also 
blends right into these finals. It's so concerning. That's what it is. That right you. Now. Well, and so t- again, reminding folks if they don't know, you got Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday on the Bucks, and Devin Booker from the Suns who have committed to Team USA. So it's wild because whatever happens next, those three guys are going to be getting on a plane together and going to Tokyo immediately to be part of Team USA. But they drop the game to Nigeria uh, right out the gate. They drop the game to Australia. They get Spain. Am I leaving anything out? Uh, uh, they they had a game so canceled, and they they won. I think it'd be Argentina. Um, but yeah, I mean the the roster's not in the type of shape that you'd want. Is they're they're flying over today with only eight players because, as you mentioned, three are still in the finals. And Zach Levine entered health and safety protocols today. It does sound like a contact tracing situation because they're talking about like there's still hope Levine will join the team in Tokyo in in a few days, several days, whatever. I wouldn't even be shocked if he ends up being on the plane with uh, you know the the two bucks and the Suns. Well, player. don't don't put them too close. Like, well, well, you know, I don't know if he if he uh, Jeremy Grant was it was in health and safety protocols a few days. Then yesterday he's he's scoring uh, against Spain. Um, but I mean, so so. You and also Kevin Love just like flamed out of Team USA, and then now JaVale McGee has replaced him. Kelton Johnson's in because Bradley Beal is in health and safety protocols and won't be exiting in time. So it's a fluctuating roster. There is in a in a basically a, it's not a one game elimination because you have like the preliminary rounds and all that, but basically there are going to be moments where doesn't matter what's happened before or after they have to win this game. I think they are very vulnerable against some of these teams, really any of it, like Australia, Spain. Um, but also at the same time with, uh, a shorthanded team, I saw them against Spain yesterday, like, you know, pr- handle them in the second half because Lillard's hot, Durant's still on the court. There was a little bit more urgency. The, the Olympics are closer. I think the sight of the Gasol brothers and, and some of those Spanish players maybe excited them to play hard. And when they did in the second half, you're like, Oh yeah, still by far the most talented team. I mean, like, just look at who they started yesterday. They should still win gold. It's just going to be an adverse path to trying to win gold. Right, right. And hopefully along the way, our, our guy Joe Varden, who's doing a great job as always, can, you know, can, can recalibrate with Pop. They, they've had some fun moments uh, on the media side. Early I think, on that, I think uh, they both enjoy yeah. it. I think, Sam, you know them both. Like they're, hey, I give Joe credit. I, it's, it, you got, this is, this was pretty great. I texted him the other day. Again, I think it's safe to share this. And I had only seen the clip of Pop talking. If, if, if the listeners aren't aware of what we're talking about, Pop was asked about the loss, the first loss, I think it was, but also the general idea that Team USA is expected to blow teams out. And he questioned that premise big time and said, you know, the idea that that, that is what happens, that doesn't happen in, in international play with good teams. And that's just not factually correct. And to Joe's defense, it, it turned out I didn't know it was even Joe asking these questions, uh, you know, our fellow national uh, writer at The Athletic. And Joe, I texted him. I said, hey, who was who was sparring with Pop in that presser? And, and I get an emoji back of just the waving hand. Yeah, that was me. So, but yeah, they, they both do have a little bit of that edge for sure. Yeah, Pop, that first presser, um, can I swear on this podcast? Oh, do it, man. Let it rip. Um Popovich is, is my kids don't listen. So, so he's up there with <laughs> with Tatum, and you know what your message is right. They just lost to Nigeria. Joe asked him about like American exceptionalism, and if that's ended, you could just, right when the term American exceptionalism 
exited Joe's mouth. You could see Pop just like the the, the flames in his eyes. Um, and you know he he spent the entire press conference like poo pooing a, a a question from from a local guy, whatever. And I was kind of sitting towards the back of the room, and he's walking out with Tatum. Um, and as he's exiting, still an earshot of me and uh, at least two or three other reporters is looks at Tatum as they're walking out and goes. Those are some fucking terrible questions, weren't they? As he's walking out, and I'm just like, "Wow, he, wow, he's uh, he's not, uh, you know, I guess eliminating this act with the media as he moves into more like a of a national stage with USA. He's he's all for it. And like I was joking earlier, Joe Varden will not be backing away from that. It's one of the things I like about Joe um, in in a press conference setting. Yeah, no doubt, he's got that old timey kind of pit bull in him. He wants the um, smoke. He wants all of the smoke. He does. What are you, are you plugging Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes now? <laughs> no, that's just a phrase. It's not my fault they host yes. a podcast by that name. I agree. He wants the smoke. The Bucks want the smoke. The Suns want the smoke. Guys, we will see what happens in game six. I'm going to let you all bounce on that note. Uh, in the off chance, or not even the off chance, in the chance that the Suns win this thing. Uh, you know, preemptive apologies to both of you for mainly Eric for, you know, probably making game seven harder than it needs to be for you as, as you go back and, you know, the Suns fans that they've, they've, they they do not know what to chant anymore, by the way. And I've, I've given them a hard time about their, you know, math is hard skills because Suns in four went viral. Uh, Bucks fans have gone viral with, with Bucks in six. We'll see if it goes seven. Uh, appreciate you guys jumping on and, uh, and thanks for joining me.